Biden visited Europe and attended the NATO summit on Thursday, meeting leaders from the military alliance and from the EU in general to discuss the war in Ukraine. Most significant in these meetings were promises that the United States would provide the EU with 15 billion cubic meters of gas to help Europe significantly decrease its dependence on the Russian energy supplies. NATO also decided to double up its troops in the member states that share a border with Russia. NATO allies also discussed how to respond to Russia's latest economic pushback against the Western sanctions. Russia has lately demanded that all hostile sovereign nations pay for their gas imports in Russian rubles. And by those hostile nations, they of course mean the EU countries and the United States. Russia poses this demand as a punishment to those countries for imposing sanctions on Russia and for espousing anti-Russian propaganda. But in fact, it's a way to evade the severe sanctions imposed by the EU and the West on the Russian economy, which have cut the Russians' access to the international banking systems, as well as means to raise the value of the Russian ruble that has collapsed over the past month. Biden is expected to pay a visit to Poland to support and cheer the Polish efforts. Poland is, of course, the country bearing the greatest burden of the humanitarian support provided to the Ukrainians, sheltering over 2 million refugees, an effort that has put Poland's financial and social structures under tremendous strain. Other countries in the EU are ramping up their efforts to receive some of the Ukrainian refugees. And even the United States plans to receive up to 100,000 Ukrainian refugees this year. Over the past two days, the Ukrainian forces not only have been stalling the Russian advances, but have been launching their own counter-offensives. Videos and photos of destroyed Russian helicopters and a burned Russian naval ship in the Sea of Azov have been viral over the internet in the past two days. That, of course, besides the recapture of the town of Makarev near Kiev, and news, mostly from the Ukrainian side, that they have regained the strategic town of Urpen, which is also on the outskirts of Kiev. However, independent observers dispute that claim, and instead give a picture of horrific fighting between the two sides. For the time being, the Ukrainian victories are difficult to quantify or verify and probably many of them are exaggerated to boost the Ukrainian morale. However, international observers are afraid that if indeed the Ukrainians are turning the tide against the Russian invaders, a furious Putin might resort to using unconventional weapons. These weapons, like we have mentioned in earlier updates, might include chemical weapons or small nuclear arms. Russia's land connections with the EU are now completely severed. Finland stopped train travel between the two countries, complying with the EU sanctions. Finland says that the delay in implementing that move was to give fleeing Russians a chance to escape the deteriorating economic and political conditions in Russia. It's worth mentioning that since the start of war hostilities, tens of thousands of Russians, mostly middle class, fled the country not only to the EU, but also to places like Turkey, Georgia, and Armenia. The Ukrainian government, to boost the public morale, is resorting to war propaganda, 
unlike Russia, is comparing this current war with the Second World War, portraying it as a great patriotic war against invaders. They are also reclaiming memorabilia, real and symbolic, that were used during the World War. The Ukrainian government endorses using phrases that were used in the Second World War like death to the German invaders. Now, of course, substituting German to Russian. History readers, however, know that Ukraine's history in the Second World War against the Nazi invasion is fraught with complexities. Because many Ukrainians, after the vicious Holodomor that Stalin unleashed on Ukraine, were ready to fight with the devil against Stalin's people. And indeed, many of them endorsed and cheered the Nazi occupation and policies, including the anti-Semitic practices. But when the Nazi atrocities widened to include the Ukrainians, and with the Soviet advances, the majority of Ukrainians joined the Soviet troops in repelling the German occupation. Upwards of 5 million Ukrainians died during that bloody period. Just before finalizing today's update, there are two breaking news stories. One potentially hopeful, the other rather amusing. The Russian army declared that its primary objective was and has always been defeating the Ukrainian army in the east to rescue the Russian-speaking population from genocide and Ukrainian persecution. And though the Russian army still considers besieging and invading large cities in Ukraine to be legitimate, it still declares the operations in the east to be its primary theater of operation. The tone of this statement is essentially a winding down of Russian objectives and could prove to be a prelude to a cessation of hostilities on other fronts. Finally, Putin in attacking the liberal West and its fake political correctness cited J.K. Rowling, the renowned author, and the backlash she endured over her position toward the transsexual cause. Rowling refused outright to be co-opted by Putin, denouncing the Russian invasion and stating her solidarity with the Ukrainians. That's it for today. Thank you for listening and catch you on the next one. Goodbye.